the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. Marriage, that blessed arrangement, that dream within a dream. <laughs> that is from the movie The Princess Bride. Thank you, Mike, to our producer for that. Okay, so. If you've been married for a certain amount of years, right, you, you, you age into middle or old age, and for a lot of us, you become caregivers of your parents. Well, here to talk to us about that is Dorothy Tell Greco. Dorothy's the author of Making Marriage Beautiful. She and her husband have been married for 27 years. She wrote a terrific piece at Christianity Today called How to Stay Married When You're Stuck Between Needy Teens. Dorothy, welcome to the show. How are you today? Hi, John. Thanks for asking me to be on. It's yeah, good to be here. My pleasure. Thank you. So, Dorothy, um, I've already done what you've described in your article uh, about caring for my uh, parents as they were passing away. But I just want to sit back and have you tell your story about the time that you were at an event and you were ready to speak, and then the phone rang. Yeah, so I'm not a cell phone person, and I almost always have it turned off, but this time I had left it on, and literally I was just stepping to the podium, and the phone rang, and I recognized my cousin's number, and she never calls me. So I ducked out for a moment, took the call, and she relayed that my father had an accident and was heading into emergency surgery. So, um, you know, I don't know if you can imagine that scenario, but needless to say, it was not my best presentation I'm ever. Sure. yes. Um, and as soon as I was done, I kind of explained to the group what happened and uh, drove home, packed a suitcase, and immediately drove down to New Jersey where my dad lives. And what had happened was it was during his last cancer treatment, and the aide had forgotten to lower the table, and he fell off and broke his femur. Ouch. And um, then went into, uh, as, as he was coming out of surgery, he went into sepsis. And what that led to was um, four months of... A, you know, long-term rehab work, multiple surgeries, and me, of course, driving back and forth between Boston and New Jersey pretty much every weekend. So it was a long season until he was able to finally do enough work um, to prove that he was capable of going home, and that was his main request. He had been in the same house for 50 years. It was a house that his, his grandfather had built. Wow. And more than anything else, what he wanted was to, to go home to finish out his life. Yeah. So thank goodness that you were able to do that, right? I mean, that's a blessing. As difficult, that's my own experience as well, as difficult as it is to care for your aging parents mm -hmm. and the heartache and the driving and just all that. I mean, even the fights and the struggles with your parents themselves, it's a blessing you're able to do that. Yes, I agree. It was, it was a precious time, although incredibly stressful. 
So uh, in your article, you say that uh, Pew Research says that 68% of adults between the age of 40 and 59 have at least one parent, 65 or over. And of that group, 55% are already providing some form of help to both a parent and or one of their own children. I mean, talk about juggling. Uh, it's busy just to care for your own life, let alone, you know, let alone taking care of your children, especially teenagers who need extra care and an aging parent. That's a, just a heck of a lot of work. Yes, it is, and increase, that number is only going to go up as the you know this demographic um, gets larger and people continue to live longer. And um, do you have children too? I do. I have an eighteen and a twenty-year-old. Yeah, so you you know know from recent memory that those years of um, getting them successfully through high school onto whatever's next, whether that's you know that they start in the trades or that they go into college. I, I mean, what we found with all three of our kids is that that's among the most stressful time of parenting. Yes, undoubtedly, because, you know, really, I mean, it's one thing to to hang out with your toddlers, but it's a whole other thing to try to, you know, get on the rails with your teens and make sure that they're safe and that there's direction here. You just know how it is. I mean, you know, raising teenager kids, especially in today's day and age, day and age is very difficult. Yes. Yeah, that's absolutely what we found. So you talk about this in the article. You talk about needing clear boundaries as you go through this period. And and I love the idea, you know, of you driving back and forth from Boston and New Jersey. And I do this myself. You know, um, there's so much going on in your head as you're trying to juggle schedules between parents and children that I don't want to listen to anything. I just need to sit in solitude and drive. And I find that I have clear thought then. Yes, though there were times, I have to admit, that I, I got into a space where I was crying so hard that I actually had to pull over uh, in order to be safe because there were certain situations, certain things that were going on with my dad that were just very emotional for me. Um, but definitely having that space, it was like a five-hour drive, if I timed it correctly, to really just be present to what I was feeling and to be present to the Holy Spirit um, rather than simply rushing off to the next thing or popping in a podcast, certainly helped me to process what was going on. Yeah. Now, I, I don't know if this happened to you, but th- this happened to me. My father died, uh, boy, 20 years before my mother died. And uh, oh. and we did not handle, I did not handle my father's death well. I, essentially, he was looking for um, some sort of um, aff- affirmation from me. And uh, like a lot of guys, you know, we had a difficult relationship and I kind of, not kind of, I did ignore him. And when he died, I mean, I still carry that to this day and he's been gone for a long, he's been gone for over 35 years. And and so I, I learned from that. Uh, I thought, well, that was really, John, you did not honor your father and that's what he was looking for. So when my mother was dying, I made a point. I mean, I, I sat with her, we had long conversations um, it was a different way that I recognized her and encouraged her and loved her than I did with my father. And I, and I, you know, I guess that, you know, that's the blessing, right? You learn from your mistakes and what I did not do well with my father, I did well with my mother. And, and I don't know if that, you know, when you look back at, you know, the way that your father, uh, went through his final years, there were certainly lessons there that were good for you as an adult child. Yes, and you know, first, just let me say, I'm really sorry about happen, what happened between you and your father. Me too. I can imagine that that would, for me, that would eat at me for a long time. It still does, so, yeah. Yeah, so I pray the Lord's grace and forgiveness on you as you continue to process that. I think with, as I talk about in the article, so my dad struggled with alcoholism for uh, about a decade during the time when I was in middle school, high school, and early college. And, you know, anybody who's who's had a parent who deals with um 
alcohol or drug abuse, that sort of thing, it really, you know, messes with the family. Yeah. And, you know, up until I would say probably 10 years ago, I think that I had some pretty deep scars from the choices that my dad made. So as he was approaching the end of his life, it was clear, you know, I really was tuning into some things that he was saying, like he was asking questions about, um, you know, have I been a good father? And I, I knew from previous conversations that he could not go into the space of really dealing with the things that he did wrong. And that's what I wished. I wished, you know, before the end of his life that he could have said, Dorothy, I'm really sorry for all the ways that my alcoholism has hurt you. But he never could say that. And I think that, you know, as we enter into this phase with our, with our adult parents, we we don't really understand or we fail to understand that they can be really insecure and yeah. really needy of us. And that's a total role reversal. But if we really pay attention and understand, you know, the fragility that some of them carry into their final days, I think that we can really choose to bless them and honor them. Um, you know, the night before my father died, my husband and I got a call from, his neighbor, and he said, you know, I don't think your dad is doing doing very well. So we, you know, changed our plans, drove down there, and spent that that final evening with him. And before he fell asleep, we prayed for him. We actually anointed him with oil, and I, you know, said, you know, all the, all the good things that I could think of that were being, to be honest, to yeah. say to him, you're a good father. Um, these are the things that I really appreciate about you, and, and I love you. And I meant it. Yes. No, there was no, I wasn't faking it. I really meant it. And he died um, in his sleep that next morning. So good, right? So there's, in some ways, closure, if whatever that might yeah. mean. Yeah. I mean, isn't it fragile? It's such a, to go through that process, and, and you know, it's so shocking to, to go through that process. It's beautiful and at what point. Mm-hmm. It's also yep. scary. Uh, yep. It's heartbreaking. Um, but uh, so you know, you talk about this in your article. Uh, I should say we're talking with Dorothy Greco about st- how to stay married when you're stuck between needy teens and aging parents. You talk about you know when people get married, and um, the pastor or the officiant will say, "Well, all all of you witnessing these promises, do all in your power to uphold these two persons in their marriage." And everybody says, "You know, we will." And, and it just goes well beyond that, right? So whether there's a newlywed couple in their 20s or an old man or an old woman in their 80s and beyond, that it's important that those promises are upheld. Yes, and I think it's easy for us to forget that those people have made that promise to us. And perhaps for some of us, it's really hard to ask for help. You know, we like to be um, very self-contained and we like to be strong individuals. And I think that that's particularly uh, characteristic for Americans. But I think when we get into these places, like we have to be willing to be vulnerable and just to just, you know, acknowledge I can't do all this. I mean, I was asking so many people for help for everything from um, getting the dog walk to bringing my son home from school. Um, I just couldn't do everything that life was asking of me in that season. And it was really a mercy to me that the Lord, I felt like, kept you know, directing and encouraging me, ask for help, ask for help. And, and that was really one of the many gifts that I got out of the mm-hmm. season. And what about the, on the other side? There's your father, 
and he's you know sort of fending for himself. But then you've got your teenagers at home. I'm sure that there's a lot of tension and a lot of questions and maybe fear as well in your teenager's life as their grandfather's dying. Yes, and my boys were all um, quite close to my father. Um, you know, I grew up in a family with all girls, so I think it was there was there was a little bit of redemption in the whole thing for my dad that he got to kind of have three sons. Hmm. Um, we had very open conversations with the boys. I think our youngest son, who was 15 at the time, really did have some pretty significant fears about death and what does that mean. Um, so this gave us the opportunity to have conversations with him. Um, but yes, in terms of did I drop balls during that time period? Oh my gosh, John, I can't even tell you. You know, I was I felt like I was constantly apologizing to my sons for anything from, you know, not having groceries in the refrigerator to not logging into their portals and communicating with their teachers. Yeah, it was it was not my best parenting season. Yeah. But such is life, right? It is a season. Yeah. So in the midst of it all, um, and again, I, I, from my own experience, I was not a believer when my father was dying. But when I, my mother was, yes, I was very clearly a believer. And I prayed for her and with her as she passed away. What about your dad? What, what was the experience like as your father knew that you were a believer? Was he as well? You know, I didn't grow up in a, in a believing household. So we were um, went to Presbyterian Church, but it was really more about the social component of church than it was about the spiritual comp- component. Yeah. So during that first week where my dad was, you know, sort of in between death and life when the doctor didn't know if he was going to make it, one of the things I said to him was, do you feel secure about what's going to happen to you if you do pass away? And he said, no. And so I said, well, you know, we have had many conversations about what it means to follow Jesus, and do you feel ready to, to pray and to and invite Jesus into your life? And so we, in the hospital room, which he had tubes, you know, just about in every part of his body, um, we did pray for him to become a Christian. So that really was a huge gift. Yeah, that sure is. <laughs> that really is. Fabulous. So your father in heaven with the Lord. Yes. Yes, at the end of, you know, after 83 years of resisting. That's <laughs> <laughs> the 11th hour, Dorothy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as you leave us, what's the, what's the wisdom here? I mean, I, you know, I know people are listening right now and, th- and nodding their head and thinking, that's me, that's where I am right now. Uh, is there some little nugget you have for somebody who is through this season that you and I have gone through? I think to realize that this is a sacred opportunity that really is one of those moments that, you know, people describe it as liminal, that the space between heaven and earth feels um, truncated or it's easier to get through. I I definitely experienced it. It was a very holy time um, between me and the Lord and between my dad and me. Um, So to be on the lookout for those things, to be to really do your spiritual work so um, folks don't have the kind of experience that you did where they have regrets about what they didn't say. It does take a lot of, I think, humility and a lot of um, courage to be able to speak into our parents' lives that they're dying, but I really do think that um, they receive it deeply, and it allows us to really demonstrate love and honor to them. That's good, Dorothy. Hey, thanks enough a lot. I really enjoyed the conversation. 
Yes, me too. I feel like this could go on for a long time. <laughs> yes, good. you're the best. Thanks an awful lot. Uh, Dorothy Greco, uh, she's the author of Making Marriage Beautiful. She's written a wonderful piece at Christianity Today, How to Stay Married When You're Stuck Between Needy Teens and Aging Parents. Uh, Dorothy Littell Greco, Making Marriage Beautiful. Hey, stick around. we got a lot more ahead. It's the uh, Monday edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, minus Kathy on this uh, chilly, rainy Monday. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.